All right. Thanks for coming back for another episode. My friend Josh and I are here today. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about taking responsibility for your life, gratitude. He tells us about his first experience with LSD, his time in prison, his fitness journey. We talk about the 12-step program and making amends. I tell a little bit about my deployment and the end of my relationship. You definitely want to stick around and listen to the whole hour and 15 minutes. I hope you guys love it and I will see you on the other side. Hi friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast hosted by Liz Basil Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. I am so excited to be bringing you my friend today from college. Um, This was a friend of a boyfriend of mine's in college, and... (laughs) Even though we didn't really like get to know each other super well in college, um, I've been watching his journey um, through fitness and through like darkness and into the light and back into the darkness and back into the light. Um, and it's just been really exciting and interesting um, and like fully captivating, honestly. Um, and so I'm really excited that we have finally connected um, and I got him on the show today. All right. Will you introduce yourself? <laughs> Hi, my name is uh, Joshua Horner. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to be here, Liz. Thank you, you very much. I've been watching your story and journey for some time and been very inspired as well. You are something special and um, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. Aww, thank you so much. <laughs> um, so uh, Josh and I have just been talking about like kind of the implications of sharing your story and the ways just like kind of how everybody is just in their own head and we all get really stuck on the negative or we get stuck on the positive but we get really like stuck and stagnant I think complacent in in wherever we are in our journey like this is the end or I've invested so much time in this like this is where it ends and I had so many of those thoughts when I was coming back from Europe this year where, and like I was, I turned 30 the day after I got back from Europe this year. And it was like, so crazy. The, the week before, like my last week in Europe, like the shit going through my head of like, all right, well, I'm going to turn 30. And like, so I guess fun ends now and spontaneity (laughs) ends now and like good conversations. And yeah, like this is, this is truly the end. Um, Mm. And so to come home and be like fully rejuvenated in my journey and with this like mission to podcast suddenly, and like it it just, I was so re-inspired by it. Um, And so those, those moments of darkness and those moments of like self-reflection really can like spark a movement inside of you. And, and, and then you see the world differently. I mean, my entire worldview has changed by starting this project because I'm no longer thinking, you know, well, this party might be fun or this party might not be fun or this date might be fun or this date might not be fun. I'm literally going into every single conversation thinking, what does this person have to teach me? What does this person yeah. have to offer me? What is their story? What, how can I learn from them? And, and what have they done that's different from me? And that alone changes 
everything because I'm like looking for content and I'm looking for good conversations. So, I mean, I'm completely in a different space than I was the week going into my 30th birthday, even though that was a really fun week in France and I had a fucking blast and met like killer people. Like it was awesome. It was just such a turning point for me. And I had to go into that darkness and kind of like delve into like that transitional space that I was in and that like, you know, what does it all mean? And like, what does it mean to turn 30? And like all of these like, you know, inner conflict questions. You know, you said something that just triggered a thought in my head. Uh, that darkness, you know, that darkness. I, I uh, you know, the band Disturbed. Yeah. Okay. Well, they have a song called The Light. And one of the things in that is just sometimes the darkness can show you the light. And it's like, how real is that? Like, really, that self-awareness and really looking at your life. And if, if you're attached to these, these thoughts on, oh, I'm, you know, I'm 30 and now the world is ending and, and I can't have fun anymore or whatever, whatever you're, you have. And when you come out of that, it's like, oh, okay, no, it's just something different. And now I get to focus on other things. And, or in my life, um, a lot of darkness, a lot of loss that had happened, you get, you get trapped in it sometimes. It, it becomes a whirlwind and you don't know what, which way is up or which way is down. But if you continue to keep pushing, you look back on those times and you realize, hey, maybe that all that darkness built me into something that now I can see the light and I can actually help others who might be going through similar circumstances. And um, wow, that just, it's, it's, it's incredible what self-awareness can really do for you. Because if you're focused, like you said, on partying or whatever, and, or, I mean, I had a very extensive party, party life. That was one of the things that kept a lot of, the pain away from me. I focused on drinking and focused on partying. You, you kind of can lose time. You lose time on, on, on who you can be and who you want to be because you're focused on something that is uh, maybe for myself, a coping mechanism. And instead of looking at, Hey, what can I learn from this new individual? Or what can I learn from this new situation? The focus was on things that were not promoting growth. When you change your, your view, and look for growth, you will find growth. It's, it's, you have to look for it. That's the first thing is like pay attention to your world. It's cool. And I, and I, 30 was a big year for me too. Like, I don't know. I started to pay attention more <laughs> and it's cause I mentioned for a long time, right. a long, long time. It's a bit scary when you start to pay attention cause you see things about the world, but you also see things about yourself. And in that, that's a big, that's a big thing to, to, to tackle sometimes. Well, I think that that's why they always say like the first, uh, the first step to recovery is admitting that you have a problem because mm. you have to acknowledge that this is a problem. And I think even like a step before that, you might not even recognize it as a problem, but like recognizing your behavior, like what you said, like recognizing that that's what you do. My cousin and I were just talking about this. Uh, yesterday, actually, because he's like just starting dating for the first time in a really long time. And he's, you know, been in and out of addiction and in and out of, 
toxic relationships and things like that. And so I was, you know, trying to give them some tricks of the trade. I'm an old pro now with online dating after a year and a half <laughs> being single. <laughs> and actually right my, my last boyfriend who we were together for nearly five years, we met on Tinder. Um, so I, I had only been on Tinder for about three months at that point. But so, you know, I've, I've, I've dabbled in the waters of online dating, but I've also dabbled. Murky waters, murky waters, those those online dating. (laughs) A little treacherous sometimes. Might even say shit water. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, But I've also dabbled, I was going to say, with like in real life dating, where when you meet somebody in real life and then go on a date with them or just like spend time with them even that day. And so I had a lot of insights to give him. And the thing that we kept coming back to in the conversation was, and you know, he, maybe he wasn't saying it in so many words, but basically where he was like, I have for so long not needed to show up to date women because I have been able to shield myself with drugs and alcohol. And he's like, so being in this new path, like of sobriety where I can't, be all fucked up on the date I have to like actually be myself and he's like and it's really scary and I feel like I've never gone through this shit and he's like and I'm 30 now and I feel like all my friends went through this when they were like 16 and 17 but because I was in such a haze I never went through it and so it's like something about yeah I know I was like oh man I just love you so much for opening up to me about this like yeah because these are like hard things to say and I can only imagine like it's hard to say that to anybody. So I can only imagine that you're not saying it to anybody else, you know? Strength, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So it it was, it was, it was a really big conversation. Thank you for acknowledging that. Um, I, I was, I was really happy about it. So like first to just like admit that you've been like hiding behind this, like shield, this mask, you know, this, like this armor, that's huge, but also like to recognize that now that means that you have to like do that, that reflection. That, like, yeah. no. so, something about like 30 that like it like mm-hmm. hits us you know um yeah. and I think that we're really lucky because I don't think it's everybody I think I know a ton of 36 year olds that are like still in this in the shit water just floating around and like exactly. don't really recognize um you know I think, that- I think people are afraid though I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off go ahead go ahead okay okay I think people too it's like yeah, I know a bunch of even older than 36-year-olds right. that are, are in the shit water, but and, and not, not even with dating, but it's, it's with life. Like, um, when you have to, you know, be introspective, or if you become introspective, that, that has a t- tinge of responsibility in the world if a you tinge. want to be- well, a lot, you know. So like, much. Thank you right. for putting it lightly for listeners, but it's so yeah. much responsibility. Yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. And to be that person, that doesn't just mean in the relationship that you need to level up and you need to do things. It means in life, like being a good person and 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 actually doing the work. Like, hey, if your life is shit, and uh, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but what aren't you doing that? isn't expediting the process of being a better person. Sometimes that really means, hey man, or hey woman, you need to, to look at yourself and level up. Like that's, and you know you can, it's, but there's so many different reasons why, like excuses that people make. I'm, um, I can't do it because of the, this, the trauma that went on in my life when I was younger or, or whatever. 
which I have experienced the loss of a lot of uh, people. I, I didn't, I wasn't after it. I wasn't getting it for a long time because I lived in the pain. And well, this is my life now. This is who I am. I'm a kid who, you know, dad killed himself and, and mom and dad. I lived there for some time, but it's, it's incredible when you don't have to accept that reality. You yeah. don't have to accept you. You can make your reality. This takes some, some doing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. I, I love everything that you just said. Um, but so like taking that personal responsibility and like, and, and realizing that like, okay, just because my dad killed himself, just because my mom died young, just because I was, you know, homeless for a little while, I struggled with addiction, whatever it is that your trauma was. And those are all Josh's traumas. I just named none of them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but like when you claim them and you realize that that doesn't mean that this is the end of the world. That doesn't mean that I have to live in this space. It, it doesn't, it literally doesn't mean anything. Whatever your past is literally doesn't mean anything. And that's really hard to say. And I almost want to yeah. undo what I just, that I just said it. I'm always like, do I edit that out? Like people mm -hmm. don't like to hear that, but like, that's right. the reality of it is well, like, exactly. it really truly is your responsibility. And something that really struck me about what you said was you said, um, in taking responsibility, it doesn't mean you just have to level up in your relationship. It means that you have to like, level up in like your whole life and suddenly like you realize the responsibility that you have at work and in your community and in your family and like you have to be a good person is what you said and what really struck me about that is that that is where it becomes an individual journey because yeah. we all have this concept of what it means to be good or evil and what it means to be you know a good dad or a good boyfriend or a good mom or a good sister like we have a concept of it and that's fine. Whatever your concept of good is, whatever good looks like to you, do that. I'm not telling you to be my version of good, but we get to this point at some point in our life, usually in our like young adult life or our adult life, where we realize that I'm not holding myself accountable because yeah, I don't want yeah. to. Because Holy I don't want to. Not, not because my dad killed himself. Not because yeah. I flipped that car in college. Not because, like, not because, you know, uh, there was, there was conflict and trauma and like those things, yes, they happened, but they are not the reason yeah. you, and yeah. I'm so sorry to give you this personal responsibility, but you are the reason because you have held yourself back. The negatives, all they do is facilitate space for positive and facilitate space for growth like and we just don't want to acknowledge it and i really am so hesitant to say all of these things because oh, i'm like yeah. people are well, not ready to hear it and they don't want to it's a thing too it's like all everything that you just said is 100 percent true and unfortunately emotion gets tied into a lot of these things where you know how long is grieving available like obviously emotion gets tied to it and it's hard to sometimes get out of that um, emotional overload if you're if you're also not trained to I don't think people necessarily sometimes people are lazy and don't, don't want to do the work and sit but I think sometimes too a lot of people are just ignorant in the sense that they just don't know how to handle some of maybe the traumas that have befallen them or or, or they weren't told how to be um, or shown how to be a good individual or you know some people 
are operating off of the operating system of their parents. And that might have been outdated and, and, and sheltered and boxed in. And uh, especially from a small town where I am, I see a lot of that. Um, yeah. Where, uh, you know, if you really want to change your life too, it's, it's, you got to kind of think outside of the family structure that you might have been um, conditioned in. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things, and it's, it's not saying anyone is wrong, but it is, if you're trying to level up, it is also your responsibility to search and to look, look and read and learn on the outside world because microcosms, little small things can really influence you. Just open your mind and in doing so, you can open your heart and you, know, you don't let those attachments to the past or ways of thinking hold you back any longer. It, it's, for me, I lived in a world too where if I gave up my attachments of the pain that happened, it felt like, oh, I'm, I'm being, um, I was ashamed to be happy, if that makes sense, sometimes, yeah. because it would, it would have taken away the, the power that I had for my parents or the love or something. It was a very, very odd time. So, okay, have you ever seen the movie, oh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower? I actually haven't, and it's been oh, recommended okay. to me so many That's okay. times. That's okay. There's a line in there. Uh, this kid, uh, it chronicles his life. He's, he's very depressed, and I think he's attempted suicide. And um, one of the things he writes is, we accept the love we think we deserve. Oh. And not, not just from people, but from life in itself. Like, if you have a low self-worth, you're going to keep yourself in low self relationships, uh, events, life, whatever. And I can see myself, I used to self-sabotage a lot of, a lot of things. Um, maybe subconsciously, because I didn't necessarily wake up and go, you're a piece of shit, even though sometimes I, I did do that. Right, um, literally, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we really accept that shit. Um, but once you can kind of... <laughs> allow gratitude in. Like I, I did talk to you about that too. I, I guess um, the first time I really, really started to practice gratitude was June 4th, 2017. Okay. The first time I did LSD and I tell you, like I was always afraid to go to do that because I had some weird notion. I'd see my parents. I wasn't ready to to face that and holy shit, I, I, I was ashamed of the life that I had led, like been arrested, wrecked multiple cars, multiple fights, fought, always drunk. Alcohol was my uh, drug of choice, everyone, to, to deal with the, the pain of the losses of my life. But my buddy was, was like, dude, you gotta try this, you gotta try this. And now he is my oldest friend, oldest friend, been there for me, many times in my life and he was like you need to try something you can heal it don't think of it as something about getting fucked up because up until that time alcohol molly stuff like that i used just to get like fucked up have a fun time party get girls whatever right. in this sense i was using this drug uh to as medicine that's what he said to think of it as so i kind of said a little prayer and i wasn't very religious or talked to god much at this point at all. Um, I was raised Orthodox Christian and my family was very big into the church. I have found my way back, but that's, that's not the, the, 
the topic of this story gets. So um, we, we did the LSD and I'm sitting on my back porch and I just start talking. I, I start talking about everything that had happened to me. And, and this, is, this is incredible. I started to really explain the death of my best friend, my big and my fraternity, Brian, who um, committed suicide in front of me and two others um, seven years ago. And I really just let it all out, everything that I had ever felt about it. Why, like I missed him, I missed my friends, I, why weren't my friends, everything, and I'm bawling, I'm bawling. And he just listened, listened to it. And I ended up, there was, it was me, Josh, and there, there was a girl, Katie. He ended up going to talk with her after it. And I just sat there with my, what I had just said, because I never really explained it this way. Right. Like I never explained it this way. I went out on my back porch. It was 5 a.m. I remember exactly what was playing. John Mayer, um, uh, slow dancing in a burning room. That was play. I was outside on my porch. Yeah, it's, it's, it was good. I, I'm going to listen to that song today. But I, uh, I go out on my back porch, and it, this was the craziest experience ever. And I felt, I felt like a bit anxious, a bit scared, but almost at peace. And then I felt behind me, could have been the drugs, could have been whatever, I felt behind me, my mom, my dad, my Aunt Karen, my, my pappy, my Nana, Brian, Aunt Karen, everyone I had lost in a tragic way was behind me, even though I could not see them. And I looked up through the trees in my backyard, and it was like just the stars. You could still see the stars, but it was still like light out. It was like 5.04. And the first thing I fucking said was thank you. Like that's the first thing I said and it, and it felt the truest thing. It felt so true and I'm just crying. I just kept saying thank you, thank you. Because what had happened in my mind was the release of a lot of the pain. The release of the pain that I carried with it and the acceptance of wow, okay, I've experienced these people in my life and they, they you know, like you said, what have they taught you? Like, okay, I, I look back at all, on all that. What have they ta taught me? And, and wow, it was just a beautiful experience to even have known them. And I released some of that pain and I was just happy, like, wow, thank you, God. Thank you for, for letting me be here. At this point, I don't know if it was God. I think it was thank you, universe, um, for, for letting me have this moment. I went, I went upstairs. I'm just like, wow. I started writing just about the experience in life. And I look on Instagram and there's a picture of Brian. I'm like, what the heck is this? It, I didn't even realize it. It was the anniversary, the five-year anniversary of his death. That day, when I just told that giant story, the first time I ever said it, had all this pain release with, my, with everything. It was, it was incredible. June 4th. 2017 and it kind of set me on a path but it has set me on a path the next day i became a vegetarian for four months i lost 60 pounds it, it was insane i lost 60 pounds and i uh 
started my fitness and leveling up journey since then. It's crazy. Wow. Shit, man. That's a really fucking powerful story. <laughs> Thank you. At some point, my eyes were watering out. I mean, because I actually, I haven't done LSD, but I've done mushrooms a couple times and it's, it's very confronting. It's really, I mean, really it was heavy as fuck. Yeah. But there is just, there is just such power behind mm. just speaking. Like mm. the thoughts that live in your head, when they are not released, they will just confine you. It is a prison in there. Yeah. The or they manifest into something bad. Yeah, totally. The moment that you just speak it and, and, and even sometimes when you speak the, like you said, um, you know, you were rarely waking up and saying, I'm such a piece of shit, but even just speaking that you hear the stupidity behind it. You hear that it's ridiculous when you just leave it in your brain and you don't say it ever, you don't speak it ever. First of all, you don't even get out of the, like, this is completely conceptual. Your idea of what happened regarding their deaths or regarding like the impact that they made on your life. It's, it's not even real until you speak it. Like your words have such power. And so to share that story with your friends that day. And then again, now, like it's, you're like, I'm, I'm empowered by that. I mean, Maybe I'll do LSD this weekend. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, but, one like, thing I... but, I'm, but I'm empowered to like, to, yeah. to be grateful, to share your story. The, the importance of really like, I, I mean, storytelling, that's like, this is our, our human yeah. nature. It is so yeah. important to share your fucking story. That is so profound that you, you literally gave life back to yourself, but also to all of these memories who had been trapped inside you and, and trapping you, imprisoning you. All of these tragedies, all of these deaths, these loss of these loved ones had been trapping you. And suddenly it was the keys to the kingdom. Like yeah, it literally started your journey. It did. It was, um, it was incredible. And ever since then, I have really looked at life very differently. Taking care of myself, I started to I was up to 365 pounds. It was, it was, it was a lot. And right not, now. Not pure muscle, right? No, <laughs> hell no. Oh my God. I, I, I moved into this house and uh, I remember walking up the stairs and I couldn't even fucking breathe at the end of it. Uh, I, How many oh, stairs? Two, three, four, five, five. 17, I think. Okay. And, so, so not I like three, like, but yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and it got to, it was bad. And, and, and I realized that I cope, I cope eight and I didn't care. Like, oh, so really started to work on it. Right now, I am, um, as of this morning, I think I'm like 243 pounds. Wow. So it's like about 100 and 22 pounds lost. You, you dropped a human. You dropped a, yeah. like a, a small me, like me yeah. 30 pounds ago. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. And it really was, you know, going back to taking responsibility of yourself. Um, and I think like if the better I am, the better I can give to the world and the better, you know, the people involved with me will be because leading by example is something that I've adopted very hard in, in my life. It's, I put a high standard now on who I am and also who I can become. And it's been a fucking awesome journey. I got certified as a personal trainer so I can help others achieve that, that way. 
because fitness for me, I mean, I've always been in the fitness world, not, I didn't really try hard in high school and, and honestly at Shippensburg, when I went there, I was getting my that high school or college. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. College. I played football. At, well, I was redshirted, so I did not play, but and we, I left after my dad passed, but there was, I was pretty big in my high school. Didn't really have to work out that hard, but I got to Shippensburg. I was getting my ass kicked by dudes like half my size. So I was like, all right, you really got to start working out, man. And that's when I started taking it serious. And that was fall 2006. I fell off the, off, the, off the wagon a couple of times. But in the last two years, I've really, really, really um, went after it. And if, when you're trying hard in the gym and you're, you're seeing the results and PR and all, all that stuff, it kind of transitions into your life. Well, if I can you know, do this in here, I can kind of do that anywhere you know, leveling, leveling up and, and working hard. And so it's been, it's been, a, it's been a blast in that regard. Yeah. I love that. It's, it really is. I mean, and what we were saying earlier, uh, I think we like briefly touched on it, just um, like celebrating the small wins. And so yeah. that's like that concept. I want to say it's David Goggins, but I don't really think it is. I don't think that it's his concept. I think I am just thinking of him because he's military, but um, the whole like idea behind like, get up, make your bed, work out work out first thing in the morning it's the hardest if it, if you do the hardest thing that you have to do all day first if you do mm -hmm. that workout everything after that is easier and yeah. as i say this in my as i say this in my sweatpants at 10 a.m because i haven't done shit yet today but like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but you gotta get yourself a stationary today. bike right exactly but it's just like this whole if i can do this i can do anything you have to really remind yourself that every single little thing that you do does fucking matter. And that's to say the same thing for the alt, the, the opposing side of that is every small thing that I do does matter. And like, that's the whole like butterfly effect. And right. yeah, as, much, as much as I really want to go down this rabbit hole of like every good or bad thing that you do does matter and it does impact other people. I have talked about this on other episodes. So I don't mm -hmm. really want to go down that rabbit hole. What I want mm -hmm. to go down right now, and this just came to me, is as much as every decision that you make is important and can either like support your vision or not support your vision. I think it's also super important to recognize that like, cause you said um, you're trying to like live by example. And so that really like sparked this for me because I also like in, in putting myself into the public eye and putting myself in this position where I am trying to be seen and heard, I am becoming more and more cognizant of the fact of my humanity. And I realized that there is no 100% positive 100% of the time. There is mm -hmm. no possible way for me to be all that I can be all of the time, to be super upbeat all of the time. I have moments of darkness and winter yeah. seasons, and I have moments where I'm like still talking down on myself. And I think that it's just really important to acknowledge that like it is a journey and there are still going to be steep speed bumps all along the way. And you're still going to question yourself and that's okay. But that's why it's even more important to celebrate those wins and to remain consistent because when motivation fails, discipline will support you. <laughs> no, you're 100% correct. And, you know, that's why I have, <laughs> you should see my house. I have so many fucking reminders painted all over my walls. Like I get tattoos all over me, stay in it, keep going. Me and my sisters got, it was last year, 
after Summer Dance Festival, we came back and Abby never had, that's my youngest sister, Katie's my middle sister. And uh, Katie has had tattoos, Abby never had any. And uh, I'm a real big fan of tattoos. We all got just keep going on our right arm. And uh, it's, it was cool. But you're, but, you're, but you're so right. Like, you're not going to be up 100% of the time. And if you are, I question some, some of the, the, the reality of that, you know, because then so, I think people are faking. You, you have to embrace the, the down times too, because again, makes you appreciate, you know, some, you're not going to know everything. You're not going to be positive all the time. And that's part of the journey. It's part of it. But if you don't live in there, that's where the real growth happens. You know, okay, I'm feeling kind of shitty. I'm feeling kind of anxious. I don't know what, all right, that's relevant and that's real and that's a part of you. Let's look at it. Let's uh, do whatever you need to do to grow from it and, and, and move forward. At this uh, training I just got back from Penn State, to be a peer specialist, you share your story to inspire, motivate, and uh, help others you know, get out of addiction and, and, and aid in their recovery. And so they talk about this wellness toolbox, all right? And you create a wellness toolbox based off of your own individual uh, things that help you in these times of darkness. So for myself, things that help me that I go and I tap into my wellness toolbox is like working out, breathing techniques, meditation, calling my girlfriend, helping, uh, thing, things like that. Now, it, it, it's kind of cool because they have like a, a toolbox and you literally, it's very um, simple, but it works. It works. And uh, the other day, even, even before this, like I'm nervous, I'm anxious to come on. It's just natural before I, I talk about these heavy, heavy things because I know in the past where I used to get when I would talk about it, it would overwhelm me so much. Talking about my mother was very hard because she was the light of my life, like my best friend. You know, and, and, and even in just talking about her reminded me of the loss I had. But now, when even talking about her, it reminds me of the greatness I had with her, you know? So I worked out before this podcast. I worked out. I ran, I did like a 30-minute bike ride, uh, jump rope, then I ran around my block a couple times. And I'm like, all right, that just pulled me back into the world of reality. Exactly. Stay reality. in, baby. Yep. Yeah, the moment. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I love that. I love the wellness toolbox. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it, it brings me back to a point that I meant to make earlier when you were talking about when people don't want to take accountability for what they are and what they aren't and what they're doing and what they're not doing, that sometimes that we're lazy and sometimes it's because we're ignorant. And a thought that I had and a thought that I've been having through a lot of like the research and the training that I've been doing in the last year, I mean, the, the training and the classes have only been in the last like three months, but I've been researching this stuff for a year and like on this journey for almost a year and a half now. And the thing that I keep coming back to is like, why the fuck is this not taught in schools? Like, yes! and yes! so, like, that was something that was so inspiring to me when you first started with your journey 
and you were showing, you know, your motivational speeches in schools and stuff, because I, I, you may know that I ran a fitness center up in Boston for a couple of years for young Mm -hmm. children. And so it was like the, the, the future is now, but like the children are our future. And so to be able to impact children throughout this journey, I mean, the, obviously it's very important to impact everybody, but children Children are, first of all, able to grasp this stuff in like 30 minutes. And it takes us like literally years to be able to release these demons. And they're like, oh, this is just a concept. Like I can, I understand this. And so if we were able to like give them the tools, like how, what a a fucking powerful thing. So. And and kids, kids aren't tainted and conditioned yet to maybe the boxes that their parents and older people are in. Like, political view, whatever it is, whatever box you want to throw on it, kids are very open. And if you can teach them ways to combat mental health or tragedy or what, what have you, it's only going to make everything better. The whole world's going to get better. Like it's because they're the future. Like, (laughs) like it's so like, it's just so real. It's so real. And this program I was in, it's called RAP wellness recovery action planning and it is focused for like recovery people who have been through a lot of trauma or addiction but the concepts really can be applied just to life like being prepared preparation is is a key in in operating this world like when i was when i was 18 when i lost my dad i've never really experienced depression ever anxiety i, I was familiar with but depression, no, I didn't know how to handle any of it. So what, what did I focus on? I focused on drinking, drugs, girls, like the stuff that made me feel good, but fucked my life up because, you know, that's not healthy coping mechanism. But if I, you know, would have had a better understanding and have been prepared for, I mean, it's very hard to be prepared for your father killing himself, especially at 18, but... But, you know, if there was uh, some sort of planning from, say, seven years on, maybe the understanding would have been, oh, God, it's, it's fucking horrible that this happened. But instead of self-sabotaging and looking towards bad coping, me- coping mechanisms, I do, I go to my wellness toolbox. I, I go to, uh, I talk things out. I focus on healthy things instead of destruction. You know, right. who knows? But, yeah, you know. a lot of what you said there like opened some things up for me. I mean, the, what you had mentioned previously about how like everybody has their own individual wellness toolbox and like has to right. figure out like what works for them for like releasing the darkness and like for facing the darkness. I think that that's exactly what like if this education was provided in schools, like the rap education that you um, had just participated in and the landmark that I've done. Um, and like also the 12 step program, um, yeah. Dak Shepard in uh, Experts on Experts talks often about the uh, recovery process because he's a um, recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russell Brand talks about it in the book Recovery. The 12 step program does exactly what your rap and my landmark does for people who decide to participate is it forces you to examine what has gone on in your life to share that to be humbled by it and then to make amends 
and to be able to create effective coping mechanisms for going forward. So like, how is it that you have to have already been fucked up enough to need to be in a 12 step program that that then we give you the tools? Like how fucking stupid is that? Like literally ridiculously stupid. So, I mean, nobody needed to say when you're seven, like, Hey Josh, like your dad might kill himself when you're 18, but they could have said, Hey Josh, Throughout your life, you're going to impact people and they're going to impact you. And sometimes things are going to happen and it doesn't say anything about you. It doesn't mean that it's your fault if something happens to you in your life. It means that that's life. Welcome to the human experience. This is how you continue to cope with it. And these are some of the tools that you can use to, to move forward and to, and to carry on. And, and you know what's, 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 what's beautiful about that? Because that is so real and so true. I think about myself, if I would have had that, okay, yes, maybe I would have, uh, of course I would have been able to cope better, but because I did not look at all the repercussions and the damage that I caused being a reckless, not knowing how to handle it, 18 year old kid with the availability of some, some money and, and, and freedom to operate the world in, in how I saw fit, the negative impact that it that it had on many people could have been alleviated so somewhat, and that that's not me placing any blame, but it is just the fact that you know if if I was conditioned and and, and uh, prepared, a lot of good might have come out of it quicker than at age thirty one, which I am now. You know, like where I've realized and 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 have grown over the course of thirteen years since he did this. It's incredible. I was, you can't obviously look at the past for things like that, but it is a big thing. There probably would have been a lot more good to come out of education then than, than without, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be like a little bit of a reach, but I think about... Um... I think about like Justin Bieber and I think about like, do you remember the movie Blank Check? Is it a Disney movie? Um, it might be a Disney movie. It's like a kid's movie where the kid like, like writes a blank check for a million dollars. He gets a blank check and he writes it for a million dollars. The dude hits him his bike or something. Right. Uh, I can't really remember like exactly how he came in. He has like a castle and like everything. Yeah. And like a water slide. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. I only remember the slide, really. Um, But I just think about, like, that is the reckless abandon that children have. And so, like, it in Justin Bieber's case, like, here he is in, like, I don't know what town, but, like, Hollywood or something with, like, a billion-dollar fucking mansion because he's, like, 18 and or 16 or however old he was. Like, no freaking wonder you get into trouble. Like, because you were talking about, like, your inheritance money, right? That you had, like, yeah. yeah, So you you fall into this money. You're not educated in, like, you know – preparation or like how to be a human and i think it's just frankly too late at 18 when we start to be given responsibility i think like just from what i've learned in my training and from what i've learned with my experience working with children is like they are so fucking smart at five six i mean they're they're smart from the moment they are in the world like they're just all of their senses are they're just receiving everything and they're so quick to learn and by the time they get to 10, 11, 12, there has already been trauma. And now we're just throwing on them our adult coping mechanisms, which are not effective. They start to learn from their parents who 
were never taught effective coping mechanisms. And they start to learn from their teachers and they start to learn from their peers. And that is such a dangerous and quick slope that they, that they slide down. All of a sudden somebody's saying like, um, you know what, Timmy, like maybe art just isn't your subject. <laughs> like that's not fucking funny to a seven year old. Cause then they think that they're not creative and they're never going to be interested in art again until they're 30 and going through a deep, dark depression and realize I actually have a magic fucking paintbrush in my goddamn, yeah. you know, cabinet that I have never even approached because I'm not creative. We literally right. are told these negative stories. And then we're, we're, we like come into the world with this like realization at 18, like the quote adult world. And we have no tools in our wellness toolbox and we have no abilities to create a new future for ourselves. And it's just stupid because we have the access to it now. So frankly, like it's dumb, like for you to not take any responsibility for your life is stupid. And yeah. sorry for everybody who's not taking responsibility for their life. <laughs> You're dumb. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but also like, the information is out there. You have access to it. That's why you're dumb. You have dumb because you're not trying. You don't give a shit. And so a lot of times something so bad has to happen to catalyst that change in behavior, that life change, that transformation. And I got that. Like, And I also am very much in acknowledgement of the fact that my traumas have not been nearly as significant as many people's traumas. Neither of my parents killed themselves. I still have both of my parents. My traumas have been like boyfriends cheating on me, toxic relationships, you know, eating disorders, uh, drug addiction. Like I still have trauma, trust, bet I still have trauma, but they're not as impactful as many of other, many of the world's other much darker darknesses. And I got that, but I am acknowledging it and I am sharing my story nonetheless because people with darker darknesses that aren't sharing their shit are not going to get better until we all acknowledge that we all have fucking problems. Every single person that you think you see walking down the street that doesn't have a fucking problem, a care in the world is totally fucking confident. You're wrong. I swear to God, you're fucking wrong. They have problems too. And we're all stupid and nobody has it right. And I don't have it together, but I know that by not sharing my story, by keeping that shit inside, by keeping inside the fights with my dad or the eating disorder or the drug use or whatever. I was not helping anybody. And I was wearing this shield, this mask over myself to protect myself because I was worried about what it would look like. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't matter what it looks like because the reality is I'm a lot fucking happier when I started sharing it. Right. And that's, that's, I think that's such a, a good point. And, and, and traumas are, are relative, you know, to our, our own individual self and you know those masks we can put on every morning <laughs> uh i burned them i've tried to burn them all you know right yeah it's a battle Fucking get rid of them it's, it's like battle. jumanji though you bury it in the backyard and it's just and you're hearing it. <laughs> that's beautiful yeah and it comes up every once in a while it totally it does up. you gotta fucking hey remember remember starts out soft self. And it just yeah, gets louder yeah. and louder and louder. Like, so you have to, it's a practice. You have to use those coping mechanisms over and over. One of this, it, it, touching on that, I watched this video. Do you watch Impact Theory at all? No. Check, check that out sometime. Um, but the guy on there said, you know, when you actually start to, you know, really take responsibility for your life, it doesn't necessarily get easier. Life, <laughs> life, 
really starts to throw shit at you, but you should, you should appreciate that because that means you're on the right path. Like little tasks start to become a little bit more challenging. I, I, I like to look at my life as a video game now. And I've said this, this, this analogy many times, like we are avatars and we have the ability to really go, you know, level up, so to speak. And if you want that life, if you want that life that you have in your mind, you have to work and, 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 and grow and uh, attack some challenges. There are different levels of quests that you can get. If you want the, you know, the mediocre life, like, yeah, you're going to have mediocre quests. But if you want that, okay, leveled up life where you're, whatever that may fucking be for you, right. the, the quests and the challenges correlate. There's different levels. And you might not beat each quest. But you, but you learn something from it and maybe you come back to it and then you do it bet when you're better prepared and uh, you keep getting that shit. Like each book I read, it's so funny. Okay, I actually want to share this one story. It's, it's a really Please. fucking cool story. Um, okay, so I was in jail in, in May, uh, from May 3rd to May 23rd. Yeah, I did 20, 20 days in jail in Ocean City, Maryland for a DUI I ran away from in 2015. Wait, uh, hold on. Okay, wait, what year were you? Oh, no, I was there in 2004 because I was in Ocean City in 2014, but no, uh, different, later. It was summer, it was May 2015 when I uh, got arrested for drunk driving and um, with my buddy. Idiot, idiot move, just drinking and being stupid. And right, yeah. I was kind of on the path of, of bettering my shit and it just hit me, Blah! just hit me and I ran away from it. Well, after the LSD and after focusing on leveling up, you can't, and talking to kids about, hey, be the best version of yourself. You can't walk around with a warrant out for your arrest in uh, Ocean City, Maryland. So that was a whole fucking process. Oh my God, I turned myself into the police in February, literally a day after my birthday of this year. And shout out to, to my ex-girlfriend who did take me there. Uh, she was, she, she, I'll give her that. She, she pushed me in, in some of those regards. But I didn't know that. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. I mean. Yes, it is powerful. important. Yeah. It's really hard. Yes. And so I ended up going to trial. They waived the $25,000 that I had owed. Like, it was insane. Yeah. Well, that um, would have changed things. Yeah. <laughs> that would have changed things big time. Uh, but I ended up doing 20 days uh, down in uh, Ocean City Jail. And mind you, I had a lawyer and everything. He told me, oh, yeah, I don't think you're going to be facing any jail time. I get to the trial. He's like, oh, yo, bro, we got to go in the back. I'm like, what's up? He's like, I got some good news and some bad news. I'm like, what's the bad news? He's like, yeah, you're going to do jail time. I'm like, fuck. But inside, I kind of knew that I had to do this making amends, as you say. And, and it's true. Making amends is a big thing. Because like, I think the best way to, to make amends is, is to take responsibility and to own up and to be better. Yeah, you so, got to face it head on. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, I mean, fuck, this was only five months ago. And going back to the, the leveling up thing. So I didn't, have, I was scared as shit to go. I was like, I, I didn't, it, it was, it was, it was insane. Cause I don't know, never been to jail before. And <laughs> um, strip search, I, I had just smoked weed today, like literally a week ago. And then, and then I found out if you pissed like that you had weed, You'd, you'd be there for the full 30 days. Like, this is after the fact. 
I don't know how I got, I got was clean, but I only did 20, like luckily. Well, you had been uh, working out like crazy. I talk about this in uh, episode six, drug freedom, the way that I passed all my drug tests. Like if, yeah. if you're like a like fitness freak and you're like hydrating a lot and sweating a shit ton, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't know what like drug tests. Yeah. They're, they're just not as effective as they think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty sure that's what I was drinking so much water. Cause like yeah. I did not think I was going to jail. And then I literally found out in the courtroom that day. I was, it, it was a crazy, but um, right. so I didn't have, obviously you have a lot of time. Okay. You have a lot of time to just think with your thoughts. Uh, so I started to read a lot. I read, I think I read 26 books in 20 days. It was, it was insane. It was like, yeah. that's what I did. Read, worked out and then played cards with, with these dudes who the people I met in that place, it changed my life because I saw the ends of like the legal system, but I also saw people who were heroin addicts, who were drug dealers and, and what their thoughts on life and everything were. It was, it was pretty incredible. But one of the things that I, I started to do was I started to write because you could buy um, pads uh, from the commissary. And I wrote every day uh, my experience, things I learned, people I met, and I started to do these challenges for myself to keep my mind like in it, like stay in it 100%. And I would do like 300 pushups a day. Five, it got to like 500, so X amount of squats, read a, read a book by uh, every, read a book every other day, uh, introduce yourself to someone new, learn someone else's story, like all these fucking little quests that I was creating for myself. So I had made some friends in there um, and you had to put a request in to go to the library. So one day I'm literally just there uh, writing out all of uh, the quests that I'd done for myself, like do 50 foot push-ups plus 10 strength, read one book plus four intelligence. Like, and I made 100 of these random little like quests and I cut them up. It took me like fucking two and a half hours because I, I had to think of them, but also uh, rip them. And that was, a, that was a pain in the ass. So I hid them Nothing all. the time. Yeah, exactly. And I hid them all in these two books I had read. And I request to go to the library because I was leaving in like two days. They had, I was only supposed to do 18 days, but somehow I think they messed the paperwork up. So I ended up doing two extra days, which at that point, I, I would have loved to have been out because I was fucking crazy because I wasn't allowed to go outside at all. And wow. I need to be out in nature. Like, that's just my thing. Like, I was, it was nuts. But um, I go to the library with these two dudes, Rob and Levin. And Rob was a heroin addict and Levin was an alcoholic. And they were good people, but you could see that how, the, how those things, those addictions really controlled their lives. Learned a lot. And uh, I asked him, all right, dudes, I have a mission. <laughs> and I threw these 100, 100 uh, missions, that I called them, on, the, on this table. And I was like, can you help me put these in 100 books in this library? So we put them in uh, 100 books randomly in this library in hopes of, like, someone finding it and, and making them, you know, accept the challenge of leveling up or, or what, ha what have you. And, I, and then two days later I left and I have always been wondering like if anyone fucking found them and if anyone did it. Cause like some of the shit I had was like, 
make friends with the new person. Um, uh, because I tell you, when I went in there, I didn't know anyone. I was super like, what the fuck am I going to experience? This dude, Bobby, came up to me, was like, hey, man, welcome. Like, da 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 If you need anything, he gave me a fucking radio. He gave me shorts. And um, and pulled me into the gang of cards. Like, he made me feel like, hey, we're going to get this together. It's all right. He was one of the biggest drug dealers on the eastern seaboard. Seaboard. Like, fucking crazy. But that yeah. man um, was the epitome of, of kindness. Yeah. And he showed me that no matter what path you go down, you can repent, you can make amends, you can, you can change. And I really saw a lot of change in Bobby. We went to church one day. And uh, the church is like they have a pastor come in and you can talk. And, and the power, like me and Bobby, I shared in my life. I shared like who I was because I was hesitant to share who I am and, and like my story and what I do. And, but by the end of it, it was fucking crazy. I had people, we were reading, we were talking about shit, like how to uh, like fight addiction. Shit. It was insane in there. It was, it was actually one of the greatest experiences of my life, this jail. I wish I could go back and talk to these guys. But um, we were at church and he had heard my story and he's like, he made me fucking talk. I didn't want to talk, but he he's like, this man's story right here. I'm like, fuck you, Bobby. But like, I, I talk and, and uh, it gave other people the chance to, to start speaking too. And that goes back to like leading by example. And I, I had like a, a video about raising your hand in the classroom. Like, why don't we raise our hand? Because one, we might think we're wrong or two, we're, we're embarrassed. It's like, well, raise your hand to life by telling your story, you know? So, or, or doing that thing that, you know, people might be hesitant about doing. And then it gives others the, the inspiration to, 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 to follow suit. And uh, so we did, we did that. And he started to share his story. Mm -hmm. He said that he had been in so many prisons in his life. This man was like 52 uh, in this jail, which was a detention center, really wasn't that difficult, was the one that changed him so much. It broke him because he saw people actually talking and, and, and taking responsibility. And, and I tell you, if, if I, if Bobby isn't a preacher, like by the time he's out or something, like I would be very surprised, but it's the power, <laughs> power of a story, yeah. you know? And yeah, like that, that was, that was cool. But leveling up, like 100% like missions, like elevate your life. You got to do the, do the hard missions. I love that. That's, that is a really, another really powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing that experience with us. What you said there about like that, no matter what path you go down, there's always space to make amends. And like, there's, there's still a person under there. Like whether it's a drug dealer or a heroin addict or a homeless person or the asshole in front of you at the store, literally whatever, it, whoever it is, whatever they've done, whatever choices they have made, they are still a person in there. And honestly, I mean, that is like one of the biggest concepts here with it, within my journey and with this podcast is like to connect. And I loved what you said about raise your hand, raise your hand to life because I mean, how many times here, just in this one hour conversation, have one of us said something that opened up something, your entire world opens up by sharing. By not sharing your story, you are being so fucking selfish with your thoughts and your, and your ideas. Oh, yeah. Truly, yeah. like yeah. It, you are closing off 
a whole realm of possibility by not speaking, by not raising your hand. And so like that, just that is so powerful. Like that will change your world. Just sure. raising your hand and knowing that this might be wrong. This might not sound the coolest. This might not be the smartest thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I might open something up for somebody and because there's no such thing as perfect. Like you got to just, just say it, just raise your hand. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I haven't told that I haven't talked about jail in a, for a while. That was a big, that was a big fucking thing. Yeah, that's, that is no joke. I mean, I, we're, we're coming near the end of the episode, but I definitely want to delve more into that with you. Um, there's, I mean, just even the way that you're talking about, like, there's, there's just so much time. Like, that's kind of like the, what stuck with mm -hmm. me with, throughout everything that you were saying. I was like, because there's time, because there's nothing but time, because there's nothing but time. That's how I felt on my deployment. I mean, and I have joked um, before that, like, your time in the military is very much like time in prison, but obviously I haven't been in jail or prison, so I don't know actually how accurate that is. I would have, I would feel like it would be. I've never been in the military, but yeah. I would tell you when to eat, when to do this, when go up, like. Yeah there's, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of similarities. And people that I've spoken to that have spent time behind bars have, have spoken to me in ways that really spoke to me because I'm like, that is so similar to what my experience was. And so while I don't know with absolute certainty, I can, I can speculate, I can make assumptions about it. And it just feels like when you have that kind of time, to reflect on what your experience has been and you know and and you have the wherewithal to like be grateful for any of it at all i think it really it can really impact you and i mean and it can impact you in a negative or a positive way oh, um i think knowing that uh, that there's an end date and all you have to do is just not get in trouble and that end date yeah. is is pretty yeah. much going to stand. I think that yeah. that is like something to live for, for a lot of people. And so I can only imagine if you don't know when you're going to get out um, or if, or if you do know when you are going to get out and it's 10 years or 20 years. Yeah, like, that's heavy. There was a kid in there. I think he was 19. He was facing life. Like he just life, like 19. He had a kid in jail. Like his girl had a kid. It blew my mind. It just blew my mind. And right. man, Freedom is a freedom. <laughs> freedom is a um, a big thing. I, I I came out of jail. Well, I was even in jail. Very gracious. Great, gratitude has been leveled up in that sense because when your freedom is taken and you're not like able to do what you want to do, it's that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. And like I, I was there for reasons that you know uh, needed to be, but it it really showed that hey, no more getting in trouble because it sucks and it really pulls you back in life and. But the experience was, was what I needed. It, it has been part of the journey and learned a lot. And I, I truly believe that. And I, and I feel that way about my deployment, like the leading up to the deployment, like the fears leading up to and the buildup, um, which we could literally do a whole episode on just the anxiety, like before you do something. But like that year leading up to the deployment, which I knew I was leaving in uh, May 2016, I knew since April of 2015. So I knew for over oh, a wow. year. It was wow. so stupid, so fucked that they told us that early. Then oh. the reserves, they're supposed to tell you like three to six months in advance. I knew 13 months before I left uh, that I was going to be leaving. And it was like, I mean, it was like treacherous. It was like the, the year leading up to it was so much worse than the actual year of the deployment. Like the year of the deployment, I had the 
fucking literally one of the like best years of my life. There were darknesses, like there were really hard times. It was, it got shitty often, but overall my memory of that year is like one of the best years of my life. I had a great fucking time. And it was such a, such an eye opening experience because it just forced me to like get real with myself. Like, what am I acknowledging in life? What am I not acknowledging in life? Look at what I'm able to do here under these circumstances. Why am I not able to apply this in my real life on a regular basis? Look at the friendships that I'm able to grow here with strangers, people that I've never met, people that I have nothing in common with, and we're able to like grow and literally would die for one another literally are trained to have each other's backs under all circumstances. Like just the introspection that is like caused by that, by those relationships, those emotional connections, but then also the amount of time that you have where there's no access to anything else. You are just in like this like black hole of time. I mean, it's, it's deep, man. Like that's, that's a powerful fucking experience. How long was it? Um, I was in Kuwait for 10 months and I was away for uh, about 12 months. Wow. And like in your day, what do you do in a day, in a day, in a typical day? <laughs> um, again, we could do a whole episode on this. Um, I, I probably should cause I get this question all the time. Um, wow. I'll, I'll make a note of that. I'm, okay. I'm making a note of it right now. Make a note. Yeah. How much free time do you have if you have any? Like, cause you can work out and stuff, correct? Oh yeah, there's fucking tons of free time. There's so much okay. free time. It's like very minimal time was spent at work. Um, so when I was in Kuwait, once I actually got to the job that I was like gonna be at for the duration of the year, uh, which was, I was probably there for, I was probably away from home for like four or five months already by the time I got the job that I would have for the duration of the year. Um, but it basically looked like, uh, my alarm went off at 4.30. I would call my ex at 4.45 because of the time difference. We would talk for 15 minutes FaceTime. And then by 5.15, I was in the gym. This was by choice. Um, and I would stay there until about like 6.30 or so. By 7, me and my friends would all meet at uh, breakfast. And then we'd head back to the barracks, grab a shower. And by eight o'clock, we were at work. We were at work from eight to 12, one hour lunch break, and then one to four back at work. So it was like the lightest work day I'd ever had in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, By a lot, by a lot. Mm. So then in the evenings or the afternoons, we would either go for a run or go work out. And this is like the heat of the day in Kuwait. Like sometimes it was like a hundred plus, I mean, for much of the time I was there, it was a hundred plus Fahrenheit. And sometimes it would be, you know, 4.30, five o'clock and like, it's still 120 degrees out and we'd be like on the track for a run. Um, And then sometimes we would go to like the CrossFit gym or the regular gym. Um, But we would do, I did a two a day, a, a, about two or three days a week. Um, but the morning workout was almost every single day. We did an, uh, an AM workout almost every single day. And then Saturday we worked a half day, Sunday we were off. So like, I mean, there was fucking plenty of time. I worked part-time for my job back home. The gym that I worked at at home, I like did promo while I was gone. So I was putting, I was putting in like 10 to 15 hours a week on that. And then I was like listening to a shit ton of podcasts. I was like, 
working on meditating. I mean, my relationship at home was not shot to shit already, but like I was putting in a lot of like time and effort and energy into like planning like the house that we were going to buy and like the vacation that we were going to go on and like all of this and like like writing letters and like literally like reading relationship books and stuff like to try and like keep it alive and it was just like so much time and energy invested into something that like deep down I totally knew yeah it was shot to shit like because I I I don't know if I've shared this here yet but I think I knew about like a year and a half in with him that it wasn't going to work out and it took another three and a half years um oh yeah before we broke up. Um, and so that was, that was a lot. And that was a lot of like guilt that I still, I think carry with me because, you know, I wasted his time, you know, that's how it feels. And even though I feel strongly that, I mean, at least this is selfish, but at least in my perspective, like that relationship going the way that it did and that those like learning journeys that we went on together and what I learned from that, like was completely invaluable. And had I broken up with him in a year and a half, there's no way that I would have grown and, and neither would he. I mean, I don't know where he's at. I tried calling him a couple months ago um, to when I realized how much of the relationship I had not taken responsibility for. Um, and so I called him and uh, I called him like three times, left him a message. Um, I joked in the second message, like, hey, it's me again. Hope everything's good. It's been like a year and a half since we've talked. Um, <laughs> it, it had been like eight months, I think, since we had spoken, but like a really like over or about a year since we had like seen each other or, or, or spoken really. Um, and I was like, hey, it's me again. Hope everything's good. Just really want to... Um, keep calling you until you answer because I really need to take responsibility for what I've been doing. So I'm sorry if I sound like a crazy person. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> wow. Anything? Um, he didn't answer. Didn't answer. I think I texted him like two days later and he finally responded. Um, and I think my text was like, Hey, just letting you know, um, I'm assuming you don't want to talk to me, but I'm just letting you know that I already wrote you a letter. So I'm going to be sending that via email, whether or not you get back to me. Um, uh, but I would prefer to just like have a quick conversation. It won't take more than 10 minutes. And so he answered like four or five hours later and was basically like, Hey, whatever. I'm really happy for you. I'm glad that you're like in a good space right now. Um, but I don't think that whatever you have to say to me is going to be anything positive for me and my life, which is very much a part of the 12 step program is if something that you want to do is going to negatively impact someone that you don't do it. You have to like figure out a different way to make amends for it. Um, and I was like, well, if you don't mind, I'm still going to send you the email because I think that it's like a lot of closure that I really need. And it, I think that you might appreciate like some of the things that I need to take responsibility for because they're things that you always said that I did or didn't do. Um, and he didn't answer. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to send it. So I sent him the email um, and I haven't heard back from him. That was August and it's October. So, I mean, whatever it is what it is, but I do still have a lot of guilt for that, for, for, I, for holding him back, for making him wait for me. I mean, you can only make people do so much. I, gave him the out a bajillion times. If you don't want to stay with me while I go to Kuwait, I got that. Um, but it was uh, obviously hard. I mean, it, that was my first adult's breakup and I learned so much from it. And I just, 
I wouldn't be here at all for one second if it wasn't for like what I learned in that relationship um, and what I learned on that deployment. And, and that's probably why I have such fond memories of it is because like, I feel like that was the beginning of me stepping into me. Those were like kind of the first like steps that I took like as the person that sits here before you today. Yeah. Wow. That's, whew, that's powerful too. Really, thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. Man. Yeah, it's and it's cool when you can uh, you can do that when you can finally. You said how long? Three and a half years to break up. It took another three and a half years. So yeah. we were together almost five years, and yeah. and yeah. I knew he would. Um, I always feel bad telling like his story. Yeah, um, yeah, I get that. But he would struggle with um, like seasonal affect depression really badly in the winter, and it was because his dad died when he was young in the winter um, or in the fall. So like winter and like Christmas was really hard for him. Um, and so we got together in January of 2015, um, 14, 2014. Um, and so like the first nine months were like fucking great, like so great. And then winter came and I was like, this is fine. Like I can deal with like a little seasonal affect depression. Like I, I got that. I struggle with seasonal affect depression a little bit. Um, and then it was like April and it was still shit. And so it had been like almost six months of shit. And so then it, you know, was May and everything was fine. And then the summer was great and everything was fine. We, we actually broke up very briefly that spring for like a, a little less than a month. And it was like my, the breakup attempt at that point was basically like, I can't, I don't want to do six months of the year every year are in the darkness. Like I can't be Ooh. responsible for your happiness completely. And when you're, when you don't want to talk to me, when you don't want to let me in, when you don't even want to tell me that, you know, it's an off day, like there's only so much that I can do to support you. Um, we're like gonna go down a rabbit hole here. Oh, I gotta end it after this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah. we'll have to pick back up here because I know you yeah. have a lot happening now with like just similarities. Um, yeah. And oh, sure. yeah, I mean, and it was just, uh, it was like, I can only do so much to support you and to support this relationship. And there was so much that he did. And, and that was like a lot of the responsibility that I needed to take this year when I realized all of this. Um, was I felt like I was carrying all of the weight and there was so much weight that he was also carrying. And however, by not sharing any of it with me, I had no idea that he was carrying any of it. Like he knew that I felt bogged down and stressed by, by his depression and not in a way that I didn't accept and still love him through his depression. It was like, you're not letting me in at all. You're just yelling at me. And like, I'm speaking my love language, which is quality time acts of service. And so I'm showing up and making dinner and cleaning the house and doing your laundry and laying out your clothes and laying out your lunch and literally doing everything that I possibly can to try and make you happy, but I'm not doing anything to make me happy. And so now I have this resentment. And so that's where the guilt comes from is that I resented him as a result of my own actions. And that's what I needed to take responsibility for when I reached out to him this summer um, because 
I just hadn't acknowledged it before. I hadn't realized how much of that anger and resentment was my fault, not his. Because if I had just said, you know, I was going to say his name, you know, <laughs> I'll yeah. cut that out. Um, yeah, good job. Good job. <laughs> you know, I'm really sorry that you're struggling with this and I want to be here for you, but as a result of your pushing me away and you're keeping me at arm's distance, all I see is anger and hate. And all that's doing is stirring up anger, hate, resentment, fear in me. And I just want to be close to you and I just want to be loved. Um, and I just didn't have that language and I just didn't know that. Yeah. And so it's taken, I mean, that was like the first time that we struggled with that was the winter of 2014. So it's been five years. Um, and like, we didn't address it until I got home from Kuwait in 2017. So, I mean, it was, it's, it's been a long road. Um, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't be here as I am if it had not been for those experiences. And so I have such gratitude for him and for his family and for those experiences and his friends. Um, and I loved them all deeply and it was incredibly painful to walk away from that. Um, like so, so hard. Um, so we'll have to talk about this on our next episode. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I loved talking with you. This was so great. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about being guests on one another's podcast since like the spring before either of them were in existence. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Appreciate the progression. Yeah, and manifest the future. Yeah, 100%. Thank you, Liz. All right, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz without a pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.